Hello, and welcome to Spotlight On, the podcast that brings together business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts covering a range of topics. I'm Nicholas Barton, founder and CEO of the Barton Partnership. We're an award-winning executive recruitment and consulting solutions firm, providing permanent search and independent consulting services across strategy, sustainability, and M&A, data and analytics, and transformation and change. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Barton Partnership's Spotlight On podcast, where today we will be focused on sustainability. I'm Ashley Gordon, the EMEA sustainability lead within our professional services practice, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Andy Chair. He's a partner in global sustainability strategy lead at Beringa Partners. He comes with 20 years of consulting experience and 14 or so of those years focused on what we would call sustainability strategy. Andy, great to have you joining us today. So thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you're a busy man in the uh, in the new role. I think an obvious place for us to start would be if you can share a little bit about your background and your career journey to date. Great, thanks, Ashley. Yeah, good to good to be speaking today. I guess it starts really with where I studied. I studied oceanography and climatology and psychology. I had an equal passion for people in the environment. Uh, both of those are highly complex systems, I guess. I was really particularly interested in the interaction between the oceans and weather and the climate and vice versa, uh, but also thought I would become a psychologist. So once I'd studied both of those, I realized neither of them were really the career I was looking for. So I did a business management conversion course uh, at UCT, and that took me into the world of corporate strategy consulting at Accenture. So I was there for four years. Uh, made manager and then decided work-life balance was also important. That's when I joined industry. So I worked for one of the big four banks uh, in South Africa. And after eight years in banking, I was talking to a colleague in the canteen and said, you know, my passion is really the environment and and people. And uh, he said to me, well, you should really speak to my sister, who's a partner in ERM in London. And uh, she, you know, she does a lot of the stuff. So that was my foray into it. So I spent the next seven years of my career working for ERM, Environmental Resources Management, which is the largest pure play sustainability consultancy uh, in the world, still is. And I spent seven years there before heading out on my own and starting my own advisory practice. And that uh, took me to join Beringa in July of this year. Excellent. Thank you for that overview. Talking through your consulting career, obviously you start off with Accenture before making that move to ERM. Obviously established one of the first sustainability strategy consulting practices in the world. You then obviously went off and did your own thing, as you mentioned, before becoming the global sustainability strategy leader at Beringa. So everything here seems to be underpinned by sustainability. What sparked your interest in that topic? I think growing up in South Africa and working in Mumbai in India for a year, really laid bare the socioeconomic inequality and the environmental damage that exists in the world. I think to a certain extent that's more hidden in in some parts of the world and more visible in others. So I I had the unfortunate privilege, I guess, of being exposed to that firsthand throughout my, my formative years and most of my early career. In addition to that, I also led our response when I was working at the bank, the response to the Competition Commission inquiry into uh, banking practices. And that got me started thinking around what is the role of business or what should the role of business be in in the economy? And I think there was a, a very strong idea at the time that business, yes, needs to be there to make a profit, but perhaps could 
and should do more to solve some of the biggest problems facing humanity. Brilliant. And that leads on to, obviously, the move to Beringo. You'll be driving a lot of these topics within the business. What was the driving force, though, behind your decision to join the firm? There were, there were a lot of things that I needed to decide to, obviously, join a company. But I think two stand out for me very strongly with Beringo. Firstly, it's the strongest alignment with my values that I've been able to find in the market. I think Beringo has... It's one of the few large consulting companies that has become a B Corp certified company. And that's really you know, important for me that I join a company that's walking the walk rather than telling others what to do. So there was a very strong alignment between the values of the company, my values and, and beliefs. And also, I think just the culture of the company, it's, it's really, it's nice, it's friendly and it's kind. And I think that's really important to, to success. The second area is really just the quality of work that Beringa does, the quality of people and the quality of work. So they have these, this incredible 20-year heritage of driving the transition to renewable energy. Not just saying that we need to have more renewable energy in the mix, but actually making that happen. And I think, secondly, the, the pioneering work in the climate modeling space, and all of that is underpinned by deep technical skills across the business. So the number of experts that really understand the industries, really understand the problems and the solutions was something that really stood out to me as a differentiator for Beringa. Brilliant. I think one of the things that interests me most about your profile, in a world where most people talk about net zero being the key topic in sustainability, you go beyond that. You look at the social as well as the environmental factors. Talk me through why that's been your focus. I think that links to what I said a bit earlier about why why did I get interested in this topic in the first place? There's two fundamental problems facing the world. I think the first being socioeconomic inequality and the second, environmental damage. Whilst we've made incredible progress uh, as a species, and I think we've probably got it better in most parts of the world today than we've ever had it before. I won't say that we've sold it everywhere. I think we do understand how to convert natural capital into economic capital quite well. I think that the role of business is changing, and I think it will continue to change and accelerate. I think stakeholders are going to expect businesses to do more on the socioeconomic development agenda than they have been expected to do up until now. And I think they will also be expected to protect and even restore the environment whilst they are doing that. All of this whilst still making profits for shareholders, because Without profit, none of this can happen. So I think the role of business is really about continuing to make that profit for shareholders, but understanding that the way in which to do that is to optimize value for all stakeholders across the value chain. So that includes communities, that includes workforce, that includes broader society as well. And if we don't figure out how to do this responsibly, I think we're going to end up in a in a very difficult place. And we're already starting to see some of those signs around us. You mentioned at the start of that, around the progress we have made, the role of business changing as well when it comes to sustainability. How have you seen implementation of sustainability strategies change or develop industry-wide in the post-pandemic world? So I think I've seen a huge uptick in the number of companies creating and publishing a plan in terms of what they want to do. Most of those are around net zero. I think 
we're also starting to see more and more companies trialing the implementation of some promising solutions, uh, so changing technologies. And then there's probably even fewer that are starting to now contemplate the transformation that's required across the entire value chain in order to get this right. But I would say that it's very early days. Um, and these are complex problems. Sustainability by its very nature is systemic. And I think the challenge is that we've probably been approaching this very much with a view as to what's within the direct control of a company, as opposed to saying, how can the company convene change across its value chain from its supply chain through to its distribution partners, through to its retailers and its consumer engagement? And I think it's only when we start to align all of those pieces together that we'll start to see the meaningful change needed to start to create a sustainable version of the economy. So you mentioned obviously around publishing plans as well. One of the things that we have seen is the term greenwashing uh, be coined for businesses that are falsely claiming to be greened through advertisement that doesn't necessarily align with the policies they're implementing. So some of these net zero plans don't necessarily align with actually what they're doing as an organization. What does an authentic sustainability strategy look like for you? So I think authentic's a really interesting word. And I think the first response to that would be to be honest. No one's expecting everyone to be perfect right now. I think the more we can be honest about this is the actual state of where we are. These are the problems that it that it represents and this is what it will take to change. I think that's for me when we start to get an authentic strategy. I think the other element though is to have something that has a chance of success for me the best form of an of a sustainability strategy is one that is embedded into the core activities the core strategies of the business not something that is standalone and on the side and almost done as an afterthought or even worse sometimes in competition with the corporate strategy if you're an investor and you have a an ESG or a sustainability strategy on the side but your core investment decision criteria and portfolio composition doesn't actually consider that, then I think at best we've got a competing agenda within a company. So for me, it's about that authenticity of being honest about where we are and where we need to be. And then secondly, embedding those changes across everything that the company does. One of the other things we're seeing as well is evidence that supports a link between sustainability initiatives and talent retention, really reinforcing purposeful work and and value within a company. What is your experience with that? I mean, how much have you seen of that or witnessed firsthand? It's a really great question. And I think, actually, I'd go a little bit further. And I would say a good sustainability, a company that really gets sustainability is probably going to win on the talent acquisition agenda, as well as the talent retention agenda. I've seen quite a few situations where talent has left the company because of some scandals that have broke uh, as a result of things that have happened. So I think, yes, definitely, if you don't get this right, you can definitely lose some of your top talent. But if you get it right, I think there's a huge opportunity to attract and retain talent, which obviously, as, as you know, reduces the costs not only of finding talent, but also the effectiveness of keeping people engaged and really motivated towards working for a common goal. I think my final question for you is actually looking ahead to the future. We've obviously set these targets to be net zero by 2050. There's a long way to go on that journey. But how how confident are you that we can achieve these goals? And then following on, on from that as well, 
what do we need to do to ensure both social and environmental factors are brought into these considerations? To quote someone else on this point, I, I don't view myself either as a pessimist or, or an optimist, but rather as a possibilist. So as a possibilist, I would say, yes, I think it is possible. I think we can do this. Where I'm less confident is whether we actually have until 2050 to get this right. We are dealing with, with a legacy issue here. Even if you just look at the, the climate change agenda, the, the CO2 emissions in the atmosphere have been there for the last 100 years. They take a long time to come out of the atmosphere. And simultaneously, whilst we've been adding more CO2 to the atmosphere, we've also been removing the ability for the planet to sequester carbon. So I think we have this double-edged sword, which means even if we stop today, we've got a, a, lot, a lot of PPM in the atmosphere that we need to deal with. And that's going to take quite a bit of time. I think we need to start thinking quite differently about what are the step changes as opposed to the incremental year-on-year -year reductions that we can hopefully bring about. So I would be looking at those. And in, in addition, I think the third area is how are we going to adapt for a changed climate? Because I think we're already living in a changed climate. And that has some very important consequences for what we do and how we do it today. And that's only going to increase in future. Brilliant. Well, Andy, thank you very much. It's been fantastic to have you on to our inaugural Spotlight on Sustainability podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion and uh, look forward to continuing our discussion over the, uh, the coming months and years. That's great. Thanks very much, Ashley. It's great to hear Andy's thoughts on how we can adapt to a changed climate while integrating both social and environmental elements into a company strategy. I'd also like to thank all of those who have taken the time to listen to this. We will, of course, record and release future episodes every couple of months, and I look forward to welcoming you all back very soon. In the meantime, please head over to our website where you can listen to our Spotlight on podcast series, including our Women in Leadership episodes. Feel free to reach out if you'd also like to receive a version of our virtual panel event, ESG, Investment, Leadership, Performance and Excellence. You can contact me on ashley.gordon at thebartonpartnership.com.